Galen was my mom's youngest brother. Now, I don't have a lot of early memories of my uncle Galen because um, when I was just very little, he was drafted and was sent to Vietnam. In fact, my first memory of Uncle Galen was when he came home. Uh, I was probably five or six years old. And the only reason why I remember that is because when he came home, he brought me this, this black jacket. And on the back of it, there was this great big um, dragon. And underneath it, it said, um, I know I'm going to heaven because I've already been through hell. I, probably not the most appropriate present for a five-year-old, but I thought it was cool. I really did. I thought it was the coolest. In fact, think about that. I'm 58 years old. Can you imagine? Can you remember a present you got when you were five years old? That you know it's a good present when you can remember all those years later. Anyway, my uncle came home from the war. He um, uh, got married, had a couple of kids. Life was good. And then he started getting sick, chronically sick. And nobody could figure out what the problem was. I heard, I was just little at the time, but I remember over the years, um, some people saying that he, it may be a derivative of Agent Orange, maybe. Didn't mean a thing to me at the time. Uh, all we knew was that whatever this thing was, it was killing my uncle. But he lived with this for many, many years after that, but he was never healthy. And in the, in the middle of that, um, I became a Christian. And um, the rest of our family was not. We were good people. I, probably everybody thinks that, right? But we just didn't believe in Jesus. But I became a Christian. And um, as far as I know, nobody else was. Well... Um, Many years had passed, and um, it was becoming very clear that, that whatever it was that my uncle was battling was about to win. He was about to die. And I had this stark realization. My uncle was going to die, and I had no idea whether he was going to go to heaven or not. I had to do something. I thought I, I needed to do something, right? Now, if you haven't figured out yet, if sharing Christ with somebody is, can be intimidating to anyone. It was, it's intimidating to me, especially it was back then. But you, the thought of, of sharing Jesus with um, a family member, that's even, that, I mean, that just takes it to a whole nother level. I was, the thought of sharing Christ with my uncle who was dying um, was made me feel so uncomfortable. But I had to do something. I thought I had to do something. I couldn't imagine eternity without my, without my uncle, and it was real, right? It was within weeks. On this Palm Sunday, Jesus is inviting you to consider an uncomfortable truth. And that uncomfortable truth is this. As Christians, sometimes our call is more important than our comfort. And the perfect example of what I'm talking about is the story that I want to retell for you this morning. It begins like this. 
there was an electricity in the air, an anticipation in the air. Something was going on. It was the fact that Jesus' um, reputation had reached a, cres- a crescendo, both good and bad. I mean, there were some people that loved him and some people that literally despised him. And you could tell that whatever it was, this electricity, this anticipation had reached a place where it was about to break. Um, the political and religious leaders of the day could sense it. And they um, um, weren't happy about it. In fact, they were so unhappy about this, this sense that things were about to change that they were willing, they were willing to do almost anything to make sure that it didn't happen, whatever the, it was. And then there was some, uh, the, the people, people like you and me, they sensed it too. But they were more excited about it. Now, both sets of people, the religious and the political leaders and, and, the, and the people, they both had agendas. They both wanted what they wanted. And Jesus, he was right smack dab in the middle of all this that was going on. And then the strangest thing happened. I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but as you read the gospel stories, Jesus did some strange things all the time. They were strange in the sense that people didn't understand them or why he was doing them, but he did them all the time. And this was one of the moments that was just strange. Jesus, um, they, were, they had been someplace outside of town, and Jesus looked at a couple of his disciples. He said, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go into town, and I want you to find a guy that has a donkey's colt and bring it to me. Now, That's weird. But they had learned, his disciples had learned, that Jesus was often asking them to do things that they didn't understand, but it would make sense later if they were just obedient, so they decided to be obedient. They went into town, they found the donkey's colt, and it says in in Luke chapter 19, verse 30 and 31, it says they they went into town, and, and Jesus said, if anybody asks you why you want it, just say that the Lord has need of it, and it'll be fine. And sure enough, they get into town, they find this donkey's colt. By the way, the reason why he did this, does anybody know why? Is because he was fulfilling prophecy in Zechariah chapter 9. I'm not going to go into that, but if you want to check me out, you go ahead. Went into town, find the the guy with the donkey's colt, they uh, bring it back to Jesus. And when they come back with the colt, Jesus mounts up. Now, it must have been a big enough colt that a grown man could ride it. Jesus mounts up, takes hold of the reins, and says, all right, let's go. And they start their journey into Jerusalem, he and his disciples. And then another strange thing in the midst of strange things happens. This impromptu parade begins to gather. Imagine this in your mind's eye. Here's Jesus, a grown man, riding into town on a donkey's colt, surrounded by some other grown men, and people that, isn't that Jesus? Isn't that the guy that that has that reputation? And and they start following along, thinking something must be going on. And as they follow down the road, as Jesus riding on this donkey's colt and other people following, a, a big crowd begins to gather and, and it becomes festive. It becomes a parade. I mean, everybody loves a parade, right? Some people were so excited about the parade, as a matter of fact, that they started a cheer. Hosanna! Hosanna is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Couldn't help themselves. 
Some people were so excited that they took off their coats and they laid it in the, um, in the road, kind of like giving him the red carpet treatment coming into town. Others uh, began to tear, tear branches off the trees, just like this one. And the cheers were going up. Hosanna! Hosanna is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. It was awesome. Weird, but awesome. And then another strange thing in the midst of strange things happened. It says in Luke chapter 19 verse 41 that that as they were um, coming to the crest of the hill, ready to descend down into Jerusalem, Jesus pulls back on the reins. And the parade stops. And you know what he did? This is the part of the story that we oftentimes would just as soon forget. Because this is when everything seems to go downhill, literally. It says in Luke chapter 19, verse 41, that that as he reached the crest of the hill, he pulled back on the reins, the parade stops, people throw down their palms, and he begins to weep. That's strange, isn't it? Should have been, you would think, that would be one one of the happiest moments of his life, right? The, all he had to do was say the word. And these people would anoint him king. But instead, he says nothing. He just sits there on a donkey's colt and he begins to cry. Why? I'll tell you why. Because as he looked down over this city, God's city, knowing that in in a very real and beautiful sense that they represented us, right? He realized that they just didn't get it. There were some who believed that life was all about that which you had and doing everything you could to hang on to that which you have. And then there was a whole other group that believed that life was about striving for what you don't have. And the fact of the matter is nobody got it. Life is not about holding on to what you have or striving for what you don't have. Life is about true life. Is about love and relationship. And as Jesus looked out over the city, he was crying because he was going, I've got to do something. These people need to understand. I know that ultimately it's up to them to to decide what they want or what they want to live for. But I've got to do something. And in reality, he knew exactly, he's God, remember? He knew exactly what was going to happen in this week between Palm Sunday. And he, he knew exactly what was happening. He knew that these same people that were 
throw in a parade for him? Would they crucify him? Some of, them, some of the same people would. He knew that they would um, beat him. Hang him on a cross, kill him. But that wasn't why he was crying. He was crying because I've got to do something. I, I will do anything. I will sacrifice everything just in the hope that they might receive this love and this relationship that I'm offering. That's why he wept. It was um, just a few days before my Uncle Galen would die, and I knew it. Everybody did. And um, I was on my way, driving from where we lived to Des Moines, to the VA hospital where he was, to say my goodbyes. I just couldn't imagine eternity without him, and so I knew I had to do something. I just didn't know what. I didn't know what to do, what to say, but I knew I had to do something. And I was praying the whole way, and, and up until I, very, I went into the room, I was praying, God, show me what to do. What do you want me to say? What do you want me to do? It would have been so easy. Well, not easy, because saying goodbye to somebody is never easy but it would have been far easier than what I felt like I was called to do. I said, God, I don't know how to do this. And then before I walked in, it was, I didn't hear any words, but I just got this sense in my spirit where, that God was saying, just keep it simple. You don't have to explain the whole gospel story to him. Just keep it simple. I thought, okay. So I walked in and we um, ex- exchanged some pleasantries, and then I kind of took a deep breath, and I said, Galen, do you know that Jesus loves you? And he got a smile on his face, and it was almost as though he knew exactly what I was, what was, what I was trying to say. <laughs> and he got a smile on his face, and he says, yes, Craig, I know Jesus loves me, and I love him too. I have no idea what, what was said after that. No clue. Oh, it was just a happy blur. And I have no idea what the conversation or how the conversation would have unfolded had he answered differently. I don't know. But I knew I had to do something. On this Palm Sunday, we've... We have been on this journey, right? For those of you that have been um, with us the last few weeks, we've been on a journey of trying to, to appreciate and to comprehend the um, role and the responsibility that the church, we as Christians, play in sharing the love of Jesus with the world, trying to demystify it a little bit. 
Well, on this Palm Sunday, what Jesus is inviting us to do is to consider, is just to stop for a second and think about the people in our lives that we can't imagine spending eternity without. And my guess is that if you've done that, if you just did it right now, some names started coming into your mind. And this is what will happen next. You think, I've got to do something. Well, listen to me. The something is different depending on the circumstance and depending on the person. The conversation that you might have with that person that you have in your mind will be different than the conversation that I had with Galen because it's, you know them differently, their circumstance is different. So the key is, just as we've been saying for weeks now, is to say, God, show me what that something is. Because I've got to do something. It's not my responsibility. It's not your responsibility. Their eternity is not your responsibility. It's theirs and God's. But you've got to do something. But what that something is, is between you and the Lord. Listen. Ask him. And then do it. Let's pray. Lord, um, as I was um, preparing for this morning, I was struck by, I was remembering a conversation that I had with a friend long ago, how he said he loved Palm Sunday, the pomp and the circumstance of Palm Sunday. And then I was reminded of another conversation of someone I much once met that said I I don't want to think about Good Friday that brings me down and then I was reminded as I thought about these people that I've met throughout the years that it's all part of the story And to not fully give ourselves to the wholeness of the story means that there's a possibility that that the, that the story will not transform the lives of the people that you came and sacrificed for and gained victory for. My prayer is, Lord, that you would help us to be the church that you want us to be. And if there happens to be anybody in this, in this room today who has not accepted you as Lord and Savior of their lives, maybe this is their, more, maybe this is their something. Maybe they were invited or they were prompted to come today because this was their something. And my prayer is, Jesus, that, that you would let them know, maybe through my words or through the actions or words of another, that 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 you love them and that you came into this world to, to die for their sin and, and all they need to do is to accept it, to confess that they need it, that they need you. And for those of us who have made that decision, 
whose lives have been transformed remind us that it's not just about us that when we accepted your offer of relationship and eternity we also accepted the responsibility to share your love not to have all the answers but to share your love to do whatever that something is for the people that you bring across our path that they might know what all this is about that it's not just about parades and Easter bunnies it's about love and relationship and it's about eternity and all we have to do is receive it thank you Jesus for loving us that much Thank you for giving our life purpose by inviting us to be a part of the plan. In this coming week, help us to dive deep, even if it makes us uncomfortable, into all that you have done. So that when next Sunday rolls around and um, there's excitement and enthusiasm and, and hope, we can, we can celebrate it at almost a cellular level because we know how much it costs. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Stand together. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. to see you I want to see you Open the eyes of my heart, Lord Open the eyes of my heart I want to see you I want to see you Open the eyes of my heart, Lord eyes of my heart I want to see you I want to see you open the eyes open the eyes of my heart Lord open the eyes of my heart I want to see you I want to see you to see you high and lifted up Shining in the light of your glory Pour out your power and love As we sing holy, holy, holy Open the eyes of my heart, Lord Open the eyes of my heart I want to see I want to see you Open the eyes of my heart, Lord Open the eyes of my heart I want to see you I want to see you To see you high and lifted up 
living in the light of your glory. Pour out your power and love as we sing holy, holy, holy. High and lifted up, shining in the light of your glory. Pour out your power and love as we sing holy, holy, holy. thank you guys so much for um, just allowing us to be here for the last nine months. Craig said six weeks, but nine months. And we're excited. Like we, we're, we've been so blessed to be with you guys and, and we've just loved every second of it. And we know that we'll see you again. I think Craig's already asked me to come back and preach. Um, I'm going to do a nine week sermon series on the book of numbers. <laughs> it's going to be awesome. Um, so we'll see how much you miss me then, right? Yeah. Uh, well, but for, uh, for Estelle and I, it's been awesome to be here. You know, we go way back with, with Craig and Lisa and, um, and to be, you know, in another world with them really in Davenport and then all these years later to be able to come back and do ministry again. Uh, it's been awesome. And uh, we're just so thankful. We know that God has great things in store for, for you all. We know that uh, it's just beginning for Prairie Bible Church and we're going to continue to be with you guys in prayer and and in love and we know that great things are happening so just keep on following Jesus and and thank you so much for for uh showing us how much you've appreciated us we've we've really truly felt loved and, and blessed to be with all of you so I want to I want to are you going to close in prayer or do you want me to do that uh, let me do that okay Craig's going to pray but I just wanted to take a take a second to say thanks so much to all of you guys thanks so much thank you you guys can be seated for just a second um, I wasn't going to do this, but I may have already told you this story. I don't know. These two are Lisa's and my best friends, by the way. And um, the first time, have I ever told you the first time I met Keith? Oh, boy. Have I told you guys this story? First time I met Keith, he was like, how old were you, Keith? Maybe 11. 11? And we, I was a pastor at a, a camp, summer games camp. And we're, our, our speaker, we were having a special speaker come in that day. And um, they were late. And the, one of the pastors that was leading the camp was just trying to fill time. And he said, um, I don't even remember what he said, but he said something inappropriate like, um, Keith, come up here for a second. Worst thing he could have possibly done. Because he invites Keith up in, uh, while we're waiting to fill time. And he said to Keith, thinking that he was putting him on the spot and that he would never have an answer to this. He said, Keith, can you tell us about the day you were born? And he goes, he stands up and he says, well, you bet I can. And he goes into a diatribe about his, his journey through the birth canal. My first time I ever met the guy. That doesn't even surprise you guys, does it? That that's not even. And we have been friends ever since. Awesome. Anyway, we love you guys. Thank you so much. Um, 
And he is going to come back and preach for you once in a while. We might even have him come back and lead worship once in a while, too, if Jesse can't do it or whatever. But hey, before we leave, a couple of things I want to let you know. First of all, right, you're going to meet where for choir, if you want to be in the choir? Yeah, the piano room. Piano room. Music room, which is right over there, right, be, right beside the, um, the, where the cake is. And remember, cake. Don't stay for cake. All right? And I um, also want to remind you that um, we talked about what is that, that something you could do. Sometimes it's not, it's eternity could be as simple as grabbing a card like this, right, Tom? And giving it to a friend and saying, hey, you want to come to church with me next week? So there's a whole pile of these back there on the table. And maybe you should take some because that might be your one thing. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for my friends, Keith and Estelle, and for the ministry that they have blessed us with. And um, I pray in some small way we have been a blessing to them too. I thank you for the privilege that we have to be your family and to enter into this holy week. And may we experience it completely and, and utterly. And um, my prayer is, Jesus, as we prepare to leave this place, that um, it would be our heart's desire to be your light, to be your something for someone in the world this coming week. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Thanks for coming, guys.